You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Bless you, Joshua. I feel like this is a graduation this morning. I don't know why. I just feel it. Can we welcome, can we honor this guy as he comes up to minister this morning? Joshua Frost. duct tape Bible. So I used to pray in front of abortion clinics with uh, Lou Engel back in the day. And so uh, that's why my Bible is red, because the life tape we used to wear on our mouths. And so I still have my original Bible from when I was 18 years old. Man, like I feel like you guys like cheated, like making, make, making this video. I'm like, man, I'm supposed to be ministering to you guys, but like I'm getting it too. Um, so uh, thank you guys for doing that. Like uh, that was really touching and I did not cry. Um, it's been a long time since I cried. Maybe I need some counseling for it. I mean, <laughs> so if you know the uh, Enneagram, I'm Enneagram 7, so we're the ones that cry the least. So that's why, yes, yes, let's make noise, yes. <laughs> um, if you know Chad Devin, who was here a couple weeks ago, he's also a 7. I- I'm a 7 wing 6, so I actually care about not dying. Um, Chad will be like, yo, dude, let's go jump off this cliff. Let's go surf these, like, 30-foot waves. I'm like, bro, I haven't surfed in, like, five years. I'm going to die. And, but I'll still go do it because I'm a seven. But I actually think through it safety-wise. Um, but I guarantee you, I, I actually, story real quick with Chad. He convinced me to jump off a cliff in Santa Cruz about a year ago. And uh, when you go surfing in Santa Cruz, there's these cliffs. And so you either have to walk down uh, the staircase, which is annoying to walk down a staircase, right? Um, or you can jump off the cliff. And so jumping off the cliff is way faster, takes way less energy, and is way more thrilling for us sevens. And so Chad's like, just do it, dude, just do it. And I'm like, bro, like if I slip, uh, what if like a wave comes and like knocks me into the cliff? Like I could totally die. So my six wing there is like worried, like, like I'm trying to figure out the safest way to do it. And so I just do it. And I jump off this rock, and as I jump on the first rock, I slip and fall. My board goes flying, it gets crushed, and, like, I jack up my, um, my, my hamstring gets pulled. And so, like, it's giant, like, I have this giant bruise, and I couldn't surf the entire trip. And so uh, it was still worth jumping off the cliff, but. <laughs> okay, so before I get started, I do have a word for uh, the gate. But first, is there randomly a guy named Blake here? Any Blakes? No Blakes? Well, me. Oh, really? Perfect. So uh, when John asked me to share, instantly I heard the word Blake. Um, and so um, if you guys want to make a note, I, uh, I don't have a word yet, but I will in about two seconds once you guys are ready to go. Um, normally that's how it works. God's like, guess what? There's a Blake, but it, I don't know yet. You'll, uh, you'll hear it when you open your mouth. And so I saw Jacob's ladder over uh, Blake's life, and I felt like God's going to be uh, um, pushing him into a season of encounters. And, and I just saw angels coming up and down and up and down. And if you know the story of Jacob, he, he kind of lived that uh, open, open heaven lifestyle. And so I really feel like God's calling him to the mountaintops. And so through these encounters and through these season of encounters, um, it may feel like a long time. But it's, it's a long time because he has a great calling on, on his life. And then I saw him on the mountaintop, and his arms were spread over. And then he turned. And so, like, he didn't turn, but, like, the camera angle turned. 
and I saw him preaching to this like crowd of thousands and thousands of people. And so, um, Blake, I feel like God has put a message on your life, and you're about to enter in the season of encounters, and that's to prepare you for the calling in your life. And so we just bless you, Blake, who I've never seen before. Um, okay, so now I have a word for the gate before I get started. The gate, Charlotte. So this is my favorite church that I've never been to. Um, and so uh, the gate is just random in my life, okay? So uh, my mom's been here. I, I think she's preached here, right, before? Um, and then my mother-in-law, Ann Mack, has also been here and taught on dancing and flags. My wife has randomly been here. Um, and my youngest son, Moses, who is now five, but when he was here, um, he was like three days old or something or a couple weeks old. Um, and I randomly was in Hawaii last October and met people that were from your church. That, uh, and so it was just the most random thing. And then John, I, I have spent time with Jordan and AJ over the last couple months, and they're perfect, made in God's image, both of them. Um, and so uh, everything I love in life is them. And so then also John and Tiffany are always at my mom's house randomly when I am there. They are somehow vacationing in North Myrtle Beach, um, and so I've, I've spent a lot of time with them, um, like once a year for the last, like, four years, I think. And so I don't know if John knows this, but literally every time I see John, he'll, he'll be talking. It happened last night. We were out um, in your front porch, and uh, we're talking, just uh, having fun, and I randomly look up, and I see Bill Johnson, literally his face through your face. And there's times where we are talking, and I literally go in this like vision mode of where I feel like Bill's talking to me. And if you guys don't know who Bill Johnson is, he, he's the senior leader of a major movement out in Redding, California, and that's been my church since 2005. And so the uh, reason why I feel like that is because God has called you, he's put a calling on you, not just a pastoral calling, but an apostolic calling. And so um, he's going to be downloading wisdom into your life. He's going to be, because of your faithfulness, he's about to give you a giant movement. And this movement has already started, and it started through your parents' life, and they laid the foundation of this movement that got passed down to you. And so um, I had a word for the gate. I'm going to read it so that I don't forget everything, because I got this as well the day that you asked me to come share about a month ago, a couple months ago. And so I feel like the gate community is like a bullet train. If you don't know what a bullet train is, they're super fast. They carry a lot of people. They carry tons of people at a high rate of speed. God's calling this house to develop and release people around the world. People are going to be piling in to the train, a.k.a. the gate, at every stop and launched into their destiny at a way faster rate than they normally would. This is an apostolic center that God is going to use to train, raise, and develop people into the seven mountains of influence. Every time I see John, like I said earlier, he reminds me of Bill Johnson and the movement in Redding, California. I'm not sure if you guys ever thought about a school of ministry or a worship school, but I feel like there's, that's in the works for the future for this movement. The gate is, just, is not just a church, but it's a movement. It's going to take a community to host and manage what God is going to do through this movement. It's not going to be focused on one couple or one person, but a community of people who came together to see the world changed by Jesus. And so I really, really feel like it's the responsibility of everyone who calls the gate their home to manage this movement. And if everyone's faithful with this movement, then this movement will change the world. 
And so if you are a part of the movement, I want you to uh, lay your hands on your chest um, and just pray, uh, just, just, just receive this word. Um, Jesus, we release this word over them in the name of Jesus, that this word would come true, that we would honor this word, and that it would be released in Jesus' name, that you would raise up not just servants, but you would raise up sons and daughters, and that they would come alongside of the leadership of the gate, and that we would see the world forever changed. In Jesus' name, amen. See, I, I say that, um, that you'd raise up sons and daughters on purpose because true sons accomplish the dreams of their father. And so um, Jesus, his entire life, lived his life not to accomplish uh, a goal, but to be a son. And so I would say that Jesus Christ influenced the world more than any one person in the entire history of mankind, yet his focus was never to change the world. His focus was always to see what the Father was doing, to spend time with the Father, and then go do what the Father was doing. So if you want to change the world, the secret of changing the world is to become a son. And so that was not part of my message, but it does definitely tie into it for sure. Okay, so like I mentioned, I'm, I've been part of Bethel Church in Redding, California since 2005. I moved there to do the school of ministry. And so I did the first two years of the school ministry, and I met my beautiful wife, Holly Nicole Frost is her name. Um, I'm 35, if you didn't know that. I have four kids, um, ranging from ages 5 to 12, and then I also have a fifth kid. His name is Lord Baltimore, a.k.a. Tom Riddle, if you know the Harry Potter themes. Um, he is an English bulldog, so he's actually not a human being, but I do love him with all my heart. And so, uh, yes, he's so cute. Um, and so actually, on this trip, I was packing, and then I walked in the room, and he's just sitting in my suitcase. Uh, and so he just hates it when I travel, but I have to talk about him everywhere I go. Um, and so I've been there since 2005. My wife was born and raised in Bethel Church, California. Uh, Brian and Jen have a joke that she was born on the pulpit, that she's been there before Bill Johnson, before Bill's dad. And so it's the only church that she's even been a part of her entire life. And so um, we're kind of locked into Redding, California over the last, what, 16, 17 years now. And so uh, we got married. I took a year off the school of ministry and I ended up um, having the opportunity to intern with Bill Johnson, the senior leader, for, uh, for two years. And so I spent a lot of time with him. And uh, the question I get asked the most is this, dude, what was it like interning with Bill Johnson? Like, what was that revelation like? Like, like, did you, like, get anointed? Did you, uh, did you ask some cool questions? Like, did you guys meet? Did you guys, like, hang out? Like, what was it like? What was the one thing that you could take away from your two years spending almost weekly time with him? And so the thing I say is um, his level of excellence and that he's a son. If you, if you ever read his, his uh, Instagram profile, he doesn't say that he's an apostle, but on it, it says, Bill Johnson, son. So his identity is found through sonship. And the most amazing things is we would have monthly meetings, and we would go, if you've been to Bethel, they have a coffee shop, it's called Hebrews, and we would go sit out front, and we would have, yeah, Hebrews, it's a joke. And uh, he, we would go out front, and we, we would have our coffee, and and we, we would ask questions, and there'd be a lot of, like, 
revelation coming out of his stuff. I honestly barely remember anything because I have a really short attention span because I'm a seven, if you know us. This is why I have to preach from notes. Um, that, and I did a lot of drugs when I was in high school, which you'll find out about in my story that I'm going to share with you guys. <laughs> um, and so what I learned most from uh, Bill, Bill Johnson uh, interning with him wasn't in the meetings, but it was while we were walking to the meetings. Because while we were walking to the meetings, we'd go from his office, which is across campus, and he would stop and pick up every piece of trash on the ground. And he would open up the door for every person that came through. If they were carrying something, he wouldn't just open the door. He would carry that for them to their office. This is the busiest guy in Bethel Church, guys. And he would take the time to stop for the one or to stop to pick up that little piece of trash that's on the stage. And so his level of excellence, and he does it in airports. We'll be going to the bathroom, and it's dirty, and we're in a rush to go on the plane, and there's like the sinks are all dirty, and he'll sit there and wipe them all down. And so I was meeting with Bill, um, Chad Debman and I actually were meeting with him. Chad had this vision that we were supposed to have breakfast with Bill Johnson. And so I texted Bill and uh, I set it up. And so we're sitting in Bill's office having breakfast and I had this question. This was during COVID in 2020. All the craziness was happening. Church was closed. Um, there was all the riots. And so I asked Bill, I was like, where do you feel like God's taking the church? Not just as a local expression, but as a global expression as well. And Bill uh, stops, and he does his thinking. He's like, hmm. And he pauses. And if you've ever been around Bill, like, he has these, like, uncomfortable pauses. (laughs) And uh, then he says, and he looks at us, and he says, well, I feel like God's taking us back to the basics. And the basics are this. Love God with all your heart and make that love known to the next person you meet. And believe in the impossible. And so I was instantly reminded of my father's last words. He died in 2007 of a type of lung cancer. And uh, I I used to call him every single day he was diagnosed with cancer and pray for him to get better. And the last time I talked to him, he said, Joshua, keep doing what I can no longer do, which is love God with all your heart and make that love known to the next person you meet, which is the point of the gospel. This entire book right here, guys, can be summed up in our ability This is Jack Winter, my my dad's spiritual father. It's this quote, in our ability to receive God's love and to give it away to the next person we meet. The entire point of the gospel is this, guys. It's to jump in your father's arms. You ready, John? Here we go. Here, Here we go. And experience God as a father and then go out and release that love to the next person you meet. And so this is the simplest but most important message that I could possibly share this morning, I call it the bookcase message of the kingdom, that this is the bookcase that every other message in the kingdom of God kind of slides in, into that bookcase. So, it, so Paul says, what, if you don't have love, but you can prophesy, you can heal the sick, you may be the most charismatic guy in the room, but if you're not stopping for the one, then what's the point? And so I'm going to take you guys on a journey of me discovering this love, and it's a love that transforms us. It's a love that finds us in our most broken spots. And so my story starts, my mom mentioned it. It was 1985, and my uh, parents are driving down the two-lane road, heading to Georgetown, South Carolina. Yes, I'm a Carolina boy, born and raised, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. My favorite sports teams, you guys ready? The Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton, I love him. The Hornets, Michael Jordan's our owner. If I have to choose, it's the Tar Heels, not Duke, guys. 
Why would you pick a team that, that Michael Jordan didn't play at? Okay, guys? Uh, hockey, it's the Hurricanes. <laughs> but I have one sin in my life, and it's my baseball team is the Toronto Blue Jays, not the Braves. And that's only because my dad would preach in Toronto during the 90s um, uh, amongst the uh, revivals, and I was under the pews playing with my G.I. Joes waiting to go to the Blue Jays games after. <laughs> And so I'm randomly a Blue Jays fan. I know. But the Braves are my number two. So they're driving down this two-lane road heading to marriage counseling because uh, my father wants to have another kid. And uh, see, I'm the youngest of three, the favorite, the most important. The babies are always the best. And uh, my sister is five years older than me, and then my brother is eight years older than me. And so um, they're, they're heading to marriage counseling, and it's like an extreme turny road, and all of a sudden, my dad goes into a trance. He's not steering the car, but the car is still being steered. And a different voice comes out of his mouth that is not his own. To the day he died, he said this is the most clear he's ever heard God's voice. And God's voice comes out of his mouth, mouth and he says, Tricia, you're going to have another son. His name will be Joshua Andrew Frost. And he'll be a warring evangelist for the kingdom of heaven. And then I was born a year later. Perfection came out of my mother. <laughs> and, uh, and I was born with a rare blood disease um, that is a type of leukemia. And uh, the doctor didn't give me long to live. And so the doctor was randomly a Christian. My parents gathered him. They prayed for me. And I was completely healed. And it's never returned. And so... Cool, amazing stories, right? This is like a gospel story. This is like a, uh, like a, like, dude, this guy should have something important in his life that he has to accomplish, right? Um, but my entire life, I couldn't find God's love. And so I, I grew up knowing I have this great calling on my life. Um, this is like a biblical story. Um, so I knew I was always called to full-time ministry. But my entire life, the only thing I cared about was surfing, skateboarding, and doing drugs. Um, and so from the age of 13, I started doing drugs. And if you know anything about the surfing culture, I was born and raised in Myrtle Beach. And Myrtle Beach is a huge party town, if you don't know that. Um, families go there too, but uh, there's a lot of partying that happens there as well. And so um, drugs were introduced to my life at the age of 13, as well as the surfing culture. Our entire life is the next thrill. How can we pleasure ourselves and how can we uh, catch the next biggest wave go on the next biggest surf trip, smoke the next joint, uh, land the next trick in skateboarding. And so my entire life, I could care less about Christianity, and I was focused on me, me, me. And so this ended up building walls of independence in my life that hindered me from receiving God's love. And so anytime I would even try to engage with God, because I saw how God transformed my parents' life and how he transformed my friend's life, but anytime I would engage with him, I'm a seven, remember, I want instant gratification as my personality. And so if I didn't get an instant encounter with God, I was done for the next year. And so you see, um, I was too strong to actually find God's love. And so I was too strong to acknowledge my need for love. And so it took, um, it took three encounters that happened in a very, um, like over like a four-month period. It was 2004, I ended up uh, graduating high school at the age of 17, uh, my goal in life was to shape surfboards, and so it was a cool goal, huh? Uh, so uh, I wanted to do drugs, surf, skateboard, and shape surfboards. And so my dad came to me because he saw my life was going the wrong direction from the calling 
that God had on my life. And so he introduced me to Youth with a Mission in Maui, Hawaii. Um, yes, but he sold it to me, this Christian discipleship school, okay? He sold it to me on, I will pay for it, and you can surf every single day. And I was like, sure, let's go. Hawaii has been one of my dreams in life, like traveling, surfing. Yeah, I guess God's there, um, but I'm totally not going to engage in that. And so um, a couple months before I left on that trip, I was in a surf contest in Garden City, South Carolina. And uh, um, I was in a longboarding surf contest. And the surfing, you have shortboards and you have longboarding. And longboarding is just my personality better. And so um, I, I dropped in a wave. And so I drop in. And then I go to cross steps. So cross stepping is like this. And then I go to hang five. And so hanging five is like your, your, your five toes over the edge of the board. And so then I come up here and I hang ten. And the board nose dives, goes flying in the air. And I pop up out of the water, and I'm looking, where is my board? I'm looking up, and it slams me right in the eye. The surfboard fin stabs my eye, the giant surfboard fin. Um, thank God it didn't hit my eyeball, or I would have probably went blind. But I thought my eye was hanging out of my head. There was blood coming out, and so I'm freaking out. My friend's mom's dragging me out of the water. They rushed me to the ER. I was totally fine surfing again in a week with an eye patch. Um, <laughs> And so that was the first thing. And so in, in my recovery time, I tried God again, but I was still too strong to find this love. And so I ended up going to Maui, Hawaii. I moved there. Could care less about what they're talking about in this discipleship training school. Uh, my YWAM leader, if you guys have heard of the SEND, um, a guy um, created that. His name is Andy Bird. And so randomly, Andy Bird, back in 2004, before he became a part of the leadership team of YWAM and created the sin, he was randomly my YWAM leader, which is just God. Because um, Andy is on fire for God. And so, like, seeing his life and my parents' life is kind of the things that drew me to find God's love. And so, it, it was a big day in Maui, Hawaii, North Shore. And I knew the waves were good when I woke up and heard the pounding of the waves into the reef. And I was like, it's gonna be a good day. It's gonna be a good day. So I hitched hike to Hokipa, which is on the north shore of Maui, hitched hike there with my longboard, giant board, and I paddle out. And this is like my max, this is my max amount of height that I feel comfortable with without dying. My dad was a lifeguard, and so before I moved there, he trained me on all the safety things. I was the guy running under the water with the rock, and so my breath was trained. I could hold my breath for a, a, long, a long period of time, and so I was fully trained and ready for about 14 to 18 foot faces, and so in Hawaii, because it's an island, you have these like long distance swells that come in, and so when you enter the water, it may be 14 or 18 feet, which is pretty big, um, but then in 30 minutes, it will double in size, and this day, it decided to double in size, and, and so I'm, I'm like paddling with my friends and like we're sitting there and we see this bomb set out in the back and a bomb set means it's big and you better get out there. And so like I'm paddling so that it, the wave doesn't crush on top of me. And so I'm like frantically like, ah, and I make it over the first one and then the second one comes up and I'm, I'm going up it. And it's like, it's so big because you're laying on your ground. You look up and you don't see the sky. You just see water and every square foot of water weighs 60 pounds. And so imagine what it's going to do to your body when it hits you. And so I, I'm paddling, and I look up, and I keep looking up, and I still don't see the sky. And then I go over the falls backwards, 
like that, get pounded into the reef. I'm bouncing off the reef. I don't know which way's up or down. And then I barely make it up. I take a breath and boom, another wave right into my face. And so I get held under and I almost die. I literally took a breath of water, hoping that it was air. And I just like swallowed a ton of water. I popped up and I like barely made it. And then I just kind of paddled in. And uh, I like the lifeguards freaking out and he's trying to like get me, but like, thank God I came up. And so once again, I found myself in a place to where, man, I almost died. Like, maybe I should give God this, this second chance. Like, <laughs> like, like, I don't want to go to hell. Like this, maybe this guy's real, but I was still too strong to find God's love. I was still too, too strong to acknowledge the need of love. And so a week later in our, uh, in YWAM, we have uh, morning worship. So like once a week, we have like a worship session. And right before that, I had to go surfing, of course. I have to push the boundaries of time when there's waves. And so I'm in Paia, Maui, Hawaii, and I jump on my friend's shortboard. And so I drop in a wave, and, it, and it's kind of like chest to head high, so it's like five feet. And so I go up, and I slap off the top of the wave, and my board gets stuck up here. And, it, and this, this particular break is super, super shallow. And so my board gets stuck, and then I fall like this on my big toe. And it's so shallow, I can touch the ground when I'm falling. That's normally not normal when there's a wave. And so I completely shatter my foot in two spots. And so the weight hitting like that snapped uh, where your toe meets your foot and then the arch of my foot. And so I fall down. I'm crawling out of the water, like crying. I actually cried. <laughs> I cried. And uh, there's a tree growing into the ocean, and I'm sitting there, like, biting it because I'm in so much pain. And my foot's behind me, and I'm on, like, my hands and knees, and it's dangling. And my friend walks up and sees it and is like, oh, my God. And he goes running, grabs Andy Bird, and Andy comes, and he rushes me to the ER room. And they fix it all. They have to pull it back into place. Um, and so I, I've, that, that season led me into a season of depression because I moved to Hawaii to seek after my own pleasures, which was surfing. And so this led me into, uh, into times where I was like, well, I guess I got to find this God. I'm here. I have a cast. And all my friends are out surfing, and I'm sitting here alone in a hammock in Hawaii um, wishing that I could be out there surfing. And so in the midst of this depression, in the midst of this weakness, I found God's love. And the only way I can describe this love is jumping into John's arms. It was a liquid, fathery love that just held me. For weeks, every morning I would wake up and I went through like weak encounters of what felt like liquid love pouring into my heart. And so you see, for the first 17, 18 years of my life, I was too strong to find God's love. But one of my uh, favorite authors, his name is Eddie Pjork, and he has a saying, when we are strong, we can't find God's love. But it's when we're weak, God's love finds us. And so it took that weakness those encounters of weakness to finally get me to the place to where I could receive God's love. Let me go back to my notes here, guys. Remember, I'm seven, and I have to have short uh, attention spans. So it's a love that finds us in our broken moments. It's a love that transforms us. You see, I want you guys to turn to John chapter 14, the best chapter in the entire Bible, um, if you guys have ever wanted to experience the Father's love, stay in John 14 through 17. It's literally the, the best chapters in the entire Bible, in my opinion. And so we'll start. 
John 14, 1, it says this. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place, you know the way to the place where I'm going. So when I read the Bible, I always like to picture myself like other people that are like there. So like imagine yourself as the 12 disciples, like you were one of the 12, and you're sitting there, and this is the Last Supper, and you just spent the last three years of your life giving up your family, giving up your dreams, like you were a fisherman, and you like were pretty good at it, and then all of a sudden this random guy walks by, and is like, yo, Andrew, Judas, you guys want to hang out? You guys want to like come follow me? And, uh, and so you, you decide, yes, like, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus. There's probably some type of pre-relationship or context to it. And so you're sitting here at the Last Supper, and you're like, like dude, I thought we were going to conquer the world. Like, I th- like, 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 you're talking about leaving. Where are you going? Like, you're starting to freak out. Like, Jesus just got done saying that Peter, the strongest among you guys, the one that everyone looks up to is going to deny me. Judas, who he didn't say the name Judas, but he's saying that somebody among us is going to betray us. And so everyone's kind of, like, freaking out, like, where is Jesus going? Peter's sitting like, dude, I just cut some guy's ear off. Like, the law is looking for me, and you're going to bail on us? Like, I thought we were going to, like, conquer the world together, and I'm sitting here with an ear in my pocket. And, uh... (laughs) Like, Jesus, I need your help. Uh, and so, actually, didn't have it in his pocket because Jesus healed him. But still, you get the impression of the environment of the Last Supper. And so, normally, if it's your last words, it should be most likely your most impressionable words, right? And so, this is Jesus' last words. This is his last time that he's having dinner with his 12 disciples. And what does he say? He says, guys, I'm going back to the place where I came. So earlier in the Gospel of John, it says that Jesus came from the bosom of the Father, and he's going back to the bosom of the Father, and he's going there to prepare a way for us to live where he came from, right? And so the entire time, Jesus is saying, guys, you saw my ministry for the last three years. The secret to my ministry is the bosom of the Father. The secret to Jesus' authority is found in the bosom of the Father. It's found in indwelling, the indwelling of Father God. And so he directs them to the Father, and they still don't get it. And so the climax of this entire Bible is the Father. If you stop with knowing Jesus, you stop and rob Jesus of why he died. You stop short of the relationship that he died for you to come into. The entire point of Jesus' life wasn't just to forgive your sins. The point of our sins being forgiven is we could be worthy to be in his presence. But the whole point of the gospel was to restore us into a relationship that started in the Garden of Eden. And so that is the entire point of the gospel. He says what? I am the way to the Father. And what does that even mean? I'm the way to the Father. I'm the way to the reparenting that you need. The uh, biggest social injustice in the world. There's all these social things happening, and all the professionals are like, well, we probably think it's from fatherlessness, right? Well, how do we solve that? Introduce the world to the best father that's ever lived, the best father that actually hasn't lived but created everything, right? I always find it funny. Like, this is a random side note, but I always find it funny. Like, when I meditate on God, I'm like, so you're the God. You created everything, the heavens and the earths, right? All the angels worship you. You could live wherever you want, and yet you chose my heart. 
that makes absolutely no sense. Like, I can barely live with myself for 24-7. Like, imagine, imagine, like, God actually chose me to live in my heart. He made his home in each and every one of us. So John 14, we're, we're going to keep dancing down this page right here. Um, and so, uh, what was it, last year or the year before, I had this great idea that was not a great idea to read the entire Bible, or no, read the entire New Testament without stopping out loud. Um, and I recorded myself doing it. I'm going to end up making a YouTube video of it. And it was the most painful experience in my entire life. Um, actually, Bill, uh, I was sitting in that meeting with Bill, and uh, uh, I told him that I, that I just did that. And, uh, and so Chad, like, talks up, and he's like, bro, like, like, what was your, like, like, when did you feel like you were done reading? And I was like, Matthew 1. Ma- Matthew 1, 1, I was like, I am done. My throat is destroyed. And so I did it nonstop with, uh, with just water. I stopped only to use the bathroom and refill my water cup. And so the times to where I really was in pain, I would act like I'm like a southern gospel preacher. Um, and I would be like, John 14, 7. If you really knew me, you would know, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do not know him and, whoa, 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 whoa. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so if, you, if you're ever not inspired to read the Bible, like read it out loud very intensely and then you'll start loving it, I promise. <laughs> so like I said earlier, the secret of Jesus' authority is the indwelling of the father. In this verse, it says what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like, he tells you the secret to have authority in the Christian world. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the way to the Father. The Father's in me. The Father's in you. I don't know in your Christian life, have, have you ever felt like, man, I'm just done. Like, I am tired of trying. Like, this is an impossible task, guys. Like, think, think about this. The Old Testament, it says what? It says, thou shalt not murder. Well, the new covenant is way harder. It says, don't even think bad about a person. Don't even think hate towards a person. Well, like, not murdering someone's really easy for most people in the world. <laughs> but it's impossible to never have an evil thought towards someone my entire life, right? Okay, then we jump down to lust, okay? Don't have an affair. Most people can, like, dodge that, you know what I mean? Like, you can run away. Like, that's way easier to accomplish than never lusting ever in my entire life. Impossible. Literally impossible task for everyone ever to live but one guy named Jesus. And so the New Testament is way harder than all these Old Testament laws, in my opinion, right? Giving. Oh, give 10%. That's way easier than giving 100%. A guy died because he didn't give 100%. Like, that's intense. Like, it's way more hard. And it's on purpose. Like, it actually is on purpose. And the whole reasoning is, is because we weren't meant to live this Christian life. Jesus was, which is why he died so that he could live inside of us. God never intended for us to be able to live this Christian life. That's why he sent his son to live in you. This is Colossians, right? The mystery is Christ in us. And so in those times of where you feel like giving up, just remember that Jesus is the one that was sent to live this life for us. And the only thing that we have to do is exchange our old life and replace it with his life. You see, the secret of Christianity is the dependency of Jesus Christ. Like, that's how you do it. 
It's the only way we can do it because it's an impossible task. The only way you can meet this love is to humble yourself. Remember my story. I, when I was strong, I couldn't find God's love. But in the midst of my brokenness and weakness, his love found me. And so I saw, before I came here, I stalked you guys on YouTube and on uh, all your social media accounts. And so, uh, and I have been for years because it's my second favorite church. I have to say Bethel's my favorite because it's my home church. So I don't want to throw them under the bus. But I do have to say that some, like, dude, you guys were engaged in worship today. Like, there was more people dancing than I've seen in a lot of churches I've been to. Um, more people engaged in the worship service. And uh, the worship, honestly, going back to that word, I really feel like that the worship is going to be a major part. Like, like uh, I really feel like there's going to be more, kind of like Bethel, where there's more than one label that's going to be coming out of this place. And so Bethel's had multiple labels, um, Christian labels, and the goal is not to have a label. The goal is not to have money, but the goal is to impact people's lives. And so, I, and so John and Tiffany really carry that. And so I really feel like God is, has, has something on your guys' worship. I, I've been to a lot of churches in my life, and the sound and the worship is terrible in most places. <laughs> like, like Bethel is like, like that's like, it's up there. There's hardly any, I've been to even large churches and the worship and the sound's terrible, but today was great. Like I was shocked. I was like, oh, okay, you guys are gotten it. You guys are getting it. You guys are getting it. So um, I saw that you guys were talking about prayer. Are you doing a series on prayer, right? Or you were doing a series on prayer? And Oh, you're just starting, so perfect. So um, in my opinion, the secret to a good prayer life is found in the bosom of the Father. When we meet God like a father, it completely revolutionizes our prayer life. See, I believe that we receive so little in our prayer life because we ask for so little. And if you look at John 16, 23, it proves me right. Watch this. You guys ready? 16, 23. Where are we at? Here we go. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever you asked in my name. That's crazy right there, guys. Let's reread that last part. The father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So maybe the issue is, is we're not asking for big enough stuff. Like if you want big stuff, then, then ask for big stuff. If you want the kingdom, then ask for the kingdom. And this is going to lead right into world evangelism because God says what? Ask for the nations. Gate, ask for the nations and I will give it to you. Gate, ask for Charlotte and I will give it to you. And so if you don't ask, you don't receive. And the perfect example is if you have kids, when my son asks for something, like, going back to my personality type, yes is the answer. 100% of the time, I join him. I'm there, like, buying the next video game. I love Nintendo Switch. I love all types of video games. Like, I'm huge into Fortnite, Destiny, Pokemon. I was born with a Pokemon because that's how much I love. Like, I'm the biggest nerd that you will ever meet. Like, I... Like I love dun like I used to love Dungeons and Dragons. Like I used to play all types of like card games like that. Um, and so like this was my childhood, and my kids are now that old. And so they'll ask for the newest video game. Last week my son asked for uh, some Dragon Ball Z game, and I'm like, dude, I love Dragon Ball Z. I will buy all of them for you, so that I can play them. <clears throat> so if you don't ask, you don't receive. 
So we'll keep skipping down the page here. 1624. Until now you have, you have not asked for anything in my name. Asked and you will receive, get ready, and your joy will be, and your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. That's the key word here. Luke 12, 32 says this. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He loves it. He loves answering your prayers. Like, I love saying yes to my kids. And then I join them in the fun, right? And that's the Father. He wants to join you in the fun. The prayer closet doesn't have to be a closet. Like, there's a time and a place for worship services, corporate prayer, and for the, and for the prayer closet. Chad probably talked about this all the time, but, but me and Chad are kind of like leading a revolution in Reading to where let's go have fun when we pray. Let's go surf. Let's go paddleboard. Um, let's go walk around. Like, we just finished. Um, I had a vision that we were going to walk around the city of Reading, and it's 63 square miles, um, which feels a lot further than 63 miles. I think the square miles, actually. I don't know math, but uh, so we did it. I, I wanted to do it all in one day, but um, it was impossible. So we split it up. We did sections of 10 miles, but our last journey was a marathon. Let's walk a marathon for God. And so we're walking it, and I'm in mile 23, and I'm going this fast. My feet were bleeding. I'm in so much pain. I'm chafing in places that don't exist. That's how much I'm chafing. And, and like... I am in so much pain dying. I hate walking. Like, uh, I despise it. Um, lines and walking are my two least favorite things in the world. And so I was in complete pain and agony, but I was still having fun. And I was still having fun with God, praying the entire time, because even in my weakness, um, we uh, discovered fun in prayer. So um, have fun when you pray. So Jesus prays that the world, so in, later on in John 17, this is, this is crazy statement here, guys. Like, this is insane prayer. Jesus prays that the world is going to know that the Father loves you as much as he loves the Son. Okay, so Jesus is praying to the Father that the world, non-believers, are going to know that the Father God, the creator of all the universe, loves us, me and you, right, as much as he loves his son. So how much does he love us? As much as he loves Jesus. He, he doesn't love the older brother more than the younger brother. Like, if you bring up my kids and say, which one do I like more? Hmm, Moses is cute. He has a personality. He's my youngest. He's five. He's the baby, which is, should be the best. Um, but I love him all the same, and I love him differently. But you're probably thinking, well, Jesus was perfect. He didn't sin. It's because of Jesus dying on the cross, which is true, that we even have eternal life. All that's true. But Jesus didn't, or the Father didn't love Jesus because he was perfect. He loved him because he was a son. And so if I'm waiting to be perfect, to be loved, it's going to be impossible. I'm never going to be loved, right? See, the real issue of the heart is to believe that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Unconditional love is not based on the one receiving it, but based off the merit of the one giving it. It's based off the nature of the one giving the unconditional love. Like I said, the real issue of the heart is to believe 
that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. I want you to tell somebody that really quick. Turn to the person next to you and say it. The real issue of the heart is to believe that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. <laughs> and guess what, guys? You can't earn his love. You don't deserve his love. But it's the Father's nature to give you that love. He's committed to you because you're his son. I always find it funny, like the disciples, they're always arguing, like, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus is probably like, guys, you guys are ridiculous. Like, have you not gotten this? Like, I've been apart. Like, we've been together for three years, and you guys are slicing people up. You guys are, like, trying to argue over who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I keep telling you, like, bro, it's the servants. It's the lowest. It's the kids. And so, like, there's this one instance, and the disciples are fighting again, trying to figure out who's the greatest in the kingdom because they want it to be them. And really, it's me because they haven't met me yet, guys. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm just playing. It's a joke. And so Jesus is like, he's like, he pauses probably because he's probably trying to figure out, like, let me not rage at these guys. Like, Father, like, what are you saying? And he brings up a kid. And he says, the greatest in the kingdom are the kids. Which is insane. Don't be afraid to become like a child. You see, I've pretty much given up on Christianity. Like, the more I try, the more I fail, you know? Like, literally, I will try, I will pray, I will fast, I will preach the gospel, I'll sleep under bridges with Chris Overstreet and do evangelism to homeless people, and I'll try to be charismatic, I'll try to do all the right Christian things, and I end up failing, I end up screwing up, I end up getting depressed, I go through stages of being depressed, and it wasn't until I stopped trying that led me into the Father's love. And I came to the point in my life where, you know what, guys? Like, I'm just a little boy, just a little bitty boy with a great big daddy. That's the whole point of the gospel is that we're just little, little, little bitty boys and girls that crawl up into their daddy's arms, and they receive his love, and when they get up, they go and give that love away. That's the whole point of this Bible. I find it funny that all of Jesus' sermons I can read in like 10 minutes and yet we talk for like two hours. Have you guys ever noticed that? Um, <laughs> and I read fast, so I could probably read them in five minutes. Um, and so uh, it's, it, there, there's probably other contents for, for, your, for Jordan, who's in seminary class, uh, to, uh, to uh, tickle his fancy. There's uh, probably other stuff going on, you know, Jordan. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But what was actually recorded, I can read them all in like 10 minutes. And it's because the gospel is so simple, guys. It is so simple. It comes down to our ability to crawl up into our daddy's arms and to receive his love and then give it away to the next person we meet. And for so long, the Christian church um, has made themselves the big boy with a little bitty daddy. And God's calling the church to get back to the basics, which is to be a little bitty boy, a little bitty girl in the arms of a really big Father God. And if you focus your life on becoming a son and a daughter, the entire world will be transformed. We must become small for him to become big. And it goes back to my story. When we're strong, we can't find God's love. But it's when we're weak, God's love finds us. And so... 
I'm going to close with a prayer, and maybe you've related to that, to where you feel like I'm just done with Christianity, and you've gotten to this place to where, you know what, I just want to be that little boy, that little girl that crawls up into a really big dad's lap. And tonight, we're going to dig in deeper to this topic as well and have some more ministry time, but I want you guys to bow your head and just kind of just kind of engage with this prayer. And if this is something that you've related to, I want to encourage you over uh, after church, after lunch, to really crawl up into your dad's arms and find that place, find his heartbeat, and let him minister to you guys. And from that place, you can get up and see transformation in your own life, in your relationships, and in the world. So Jesus, we just invite you we just invite you to reveal the Father's love to us, to reveal the love that you'd have talked to the disciples about in John 14, that you would just show us how much we're loved and how much we're son and daughter. And so I just release over everyone here that they would come into an encounter with the Father's embrace. And so we just pour liquid love into everyone that's here. And we bless every individual in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. That's good. We're going to take up an offering I, uh, I just love Josh. It's actually the first time I've ever heard you speak. I didn't do my homework. <laughs> I, uh, so I, I just, I knew being around him, I knew enough. <laughs> There's so, it's such a power to just being a child. Sometimes I just, I just appreciate the, the reminder of that. I want to bless him. Um, He's been such a blessing to us. Um, I, I know he's going to, he had, so like I said, his luggage didn't show up, which also had all of his merchandise, all of his books, all that stuff. Um, and so we'll, we'll figure something out. Um, he's been such a blessing to us. Our youth group has been going through the book, um, which one is it? The Father's Embrace. It's good, isn't it? Um, I reached out to him, or I, I reached out to Annie or somebody reached out to you was like, hey, you know, we want to get some books. And he sent us all the books for free for our whole youth group. What was the name of it? Well, we shouldn't tell them the discount code. Everyone will know. Did you get rid of it? He's like, that was a one-time deal. She had to type in, John loves Joshua. The discount code was John loves Joshua, if you didn't hear that. But it's, it doesn't work anymore. So um, I want to bless him. Uh, Josh is uh, just, he's, yeah, let's just honor him this morning. We're going to have a special offering, so you can come on up. And uh, come on up, ushers. We'll just buy a bunch of books, and we'll just, yeah, we'll give them to people. But um, we want to make sure just to support their ministry.
And uh, I love it because, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say that in a second. Let me take up the offering. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the message that Josh has brought this morning, God. I pray that you would just really just, just continue to seal that in our hearts this morning, God. I love that about, you know, in weakness, his love finds me. I've been, I've been dwelling on that actually all week. And so, Lord, thank you for just sowing that in this morning. We just love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. They're going to pass the baskets. Um, I, I was listening. So there's this new worship album that came out. Actually, Amanda Cook put out a new album that is just fire um, called State of the Union. And there's this, there's this song on there. Stop, it, it just starts off with just her singing. It's just really quiet. And she just starts. It's called Honestly. And it goes, Honestly. I'm tired, and it was like, honestly, and it was like just this this song to the Lord, and it was like the whole process of just, you know, at the end of the song, it turns into her like making a declaration like, he'll never leave you, but it started in such a place of like, honestly, I'm so tired, and, and I felt like you literally just preached the, the message behind that song, and so do me a favor. Listen, tonight we're meeting at 6 p.m., and Sunday nights are fun. They're always fun. We never know what's going to happen, but invite some people. Bring some people tonight. We're going to go for it. We'll worship. We'll be longer tonight. The sermon will be longer tonight. The preaching will be um, the prayer time. We're going to do ministry tonight, and we're going to lay hands on everybody that wants to have, you know, to be prayed over tonight. And so we're really um, excited about what the Lord does on these Sunday nights. So just get word out. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray over you. Um, I do want the prayer team, those that are on the prayer team, I want to welcome them to come up this morning, and if there's anything you just want agreement and prayer with this morning, let them pray with you, um, and they'll bless you, whether you need healing or just someone to agree with you for a breakthrough in your life, um, they would love to pray with you this morning and stand with you, and so, um, Lord, we just thank you so much. Father, I thank you for the excitement I feel in my heart, I feel like, um, there's just this feeling of like Christmas Eve, and I don't know what's going on, or, or maybe it's just, I just feel like there's a gift, and, uh, and that there's just something that you're, you're, you're doing and you're going to do, and so God, I have just such a, a childlike excitement in my heart for what you're doing, and so Father, we just, we just uh, submit this day to you, God. I pray that as folks go away, that they would connect. It would be a sweet time of even community this afternoon. Um, and then tonight as we come back, we just come back refreshed and ready just to experience heaven, Lord. We honor you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right. If you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, bless somebody around you before you go home this afternoon, and we'll see you later. You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message.
we're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.